0: Welcome to Unfurling, a podcast that explores and celebrates the power of the natural world to inform and inspire. And this is our third episode, um, and the theme of the episode is Networks and Connections. And right at the beginning, I'd like to bring in a quote that kind of jumped out at me recently um, when I was thinking about this topic. And it's from the author, the American author Herman Melville, who wrote Moby Dick, and he says this. We cannot live only for ourselves. A thousand fibers connect us with our fellow men. And among those fibers as sympathetic threads. Our actions run as causes and they come back to us as effects. So, yeah, just kind of setting the foundation for this and and delving into connections, networks. What do we mean by that? And what might be possible when we think about those topics?
1: Yeah, and it's something I think that very... Intuitively, we felt drawn to explore through this podcast series. Both you and I, I think, place great importance on networks and building networks, maintaining and deepening them. And yeah, curious about what we can learn from nature with this work. I have a disclaimer that it's incredibly hot.
0: It really is. (laughs) So
1: I just want to get, I just think we need to get out of the way that there's a bit of a heat wave going on, both in
0: London and Devon. I've also just found a tick in my foot, <laughs> Which is not very nice. But that's just through wading through super long dry grass down here in mm. Devon at the minute, and uh, yeah, not very nice. Yeah, I'm
1: sure there's a message in there somewhere,
0: oh dear. So perhaps it's, it might be
1: helpful to start with kind of why now, like mm. why why are we looking here? And you know, for me, I guess my whole professional career, apart from my very first job, you know, has been based on. Networks and building by that what I mean is building relationships um, with other people and um, I remember when I got my job in New York as a fundraising consultant, I got that through a chain of eight people. Mm. Um, I only knew the first person, and it was being referred on to the next person and the next person and the next and I find it fascinating I find it fascinating to see what can be created. Um, Mm -hmm. through individual connections and then as we kind of look more macro thinking about how those link into a broader network and yeah it also reminds me of my work as a fundraising consultant where we we thought very carefully about how to grow and develop relationships with potential um, donors and taking them along that journey um, and working with them as they you know look to make donations yeah there's professionally I think there's something important there
0: for me I'll let you go into yours and I might have a few other things to say I just, you talking about fundraising reminds me of a book. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember who it was by, but it talks about fundraising, but through that lens of actually, let's think about fundraising as relationship. You know, let's look at the human side of that. And I think that's been really helpful for me because I'm involved in the kind of charity world as well. And that's been really helpful. Mm. Yeah, for me, what comes up when I think of connections and, and networks right now is my role as an electorate elected district councillor in the UK and kind of enjoying to a point involvement in you know policy and process and and all that stuff but really recognizing that it's it's relationships that make or break the role I think Um, whether that's with the community with offices at the council with other kind of local decision makers and really for me I enjoy investing in that kind of the soft side of the role so that the relationship making and the, the listening and the conversation more so than the rest of it. Yeah. So that comes up and I know as well as my role in kind of developing a, a, well, community development network really that works around the world. And again, seeing that spending time investing in relationships and the processes around listening and, and conversation they have been really powerful and they build trust and community and from there you can achieve some really wonderful things so yeah I guess we both have got that kind of well quite nuanced um and really interesting experience mm. of networks and connections and so that's why we wanted to look at this episode mm. today yeah yeah and I think just in that uh just in the context of the world right now
1: as well with COVID-19, we we are kind of living through a real-life experiment of seeing how networks and connections can be both positive and negative, actually, with the the testing and the tracing that we can do. We can see, actually, how a virus is spread. In a way, I I feel like networks, connections, have been on my mind in that respect. Mm -hmm. And then also, potentially, as people lost their jobs or feel their jobs are you know, under threat. There is a question about leaning on one's network. How do you leverage it? How do you build on those relationships? And for me, there's a question around breadth and depth of relationships as well. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of curious about what we might be able to learn from nature mm. here as well.
0: Yeah, like like you've just touched on, people have lost their jobs and and been some really awful kind of ripple effects from this. Um, but again, thinking of my kind of local place, I also see signs and really tangible examples of Im- increased community resilience because of COVID and increased togetherness and connection. Um, so I think it's interesting what COVID is highlighting in terms mm. of. How, how it's damaged our support networks and, and yeah, whether that's practically through jobs and so on, but also how it's enhanced them in some places. Yeah, absolutely. I can feel that in our local community that it has been enhanced
1: in terms of, yeah, people coming together for helping out in gardens or helping each other. There's definitely been that sense.
0: Mm, so then it's how do we hang on to that good stuff and how mm. do we really learn from the, the, the more negative impacts? So, Actually, similar to our last episode, we've loosely structured this episode around a coaching model. We won't kind of go into detail, but looking at where we are now, where we might be, um, and then the various options and, and priorities we might take t- to get there. At this point, I'm feeling the urge to get my Cambridge Dictionary back out. Of course. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, to define, you know, what are we actually talking about? And um, Obviously, this is just one way of looking at it Um, so network yeah there are just a few definitions of this so I'll just use one being a large system consisting of many similar parts that are connected together to allow movement or communication between or along the parts or between the parts and a control center and I'll read you I won't comment on that at the moment I think then I'll just read you connection and what was interesting with when I typed in connection is there's so many different Definitions, which kind of makes sense. And so I guess perhaps for today, if we choose one or two of mm-hmm. our, our focus, knowing that there are other ways of looking at connection, one is um, the state of being related to someone or something else. So that relatedness and relation is the kind of key thing. And then also the state of being joined or connected in some way. So for me, the kind of key words here are related and joined. And I guess when I think about connections and networks, the connections make up the networks. You know, they could be one-to-one connections, one-to-many. And then together they form this network, whether it's a network of ideas, network of people, supply network.
0: Yeah, and I'm noticing actually um, increasingly the word ecosystem used mm-hmm. either in place of the word network or maybe is something slightly different, like a sort of specific network in a particular you know organizational, cultural, I think that's helpful, the idea of the individual connections making up that bigger ecosystem, that bigger network, the bigger, mm. the bigger picture. And when you talk about connection, it makes me think of something from the the researcher and author, um, Brene Brown. she talks about connections by saying, um, "I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued." when they can give and receive without judgment and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. And I like that because it sort of really highlights the, I guess, the responsibility that we have in when we're in relationship mm. um, and, and puts a bit of, I guess, kind of human flesh and, and realness on that kind of concept of connection. Yeah, yeah. And there's something about, you know, not just magically happening,
1: that there's there's work involved. Yeah, and with connections, with relationships with people. I always remember my one of my former coaches talking about love and love being a, an active word. It's not just mm-hmm. something that magically happens.
0: Which then reminds me of various ideas and quotes around paying attention and being curious. And like you say, that takes effort. It takes effort to deeply listen to someone and to mm-hmm. hear what they're saying and to to give them time. I love the idea that you care by being present. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about... Pr- Presence, you know, you can only really create relationship by being present. And obviously, right now, that is not necessarily meant physically, but you can still be present in other ways, whether that's, you know, phone calls and sending things in the post and all those little ways that we found to be present to people. So, we've touched on the fact that we want to spend a little bit longer looking at where we are, the kind of reality of things, and then from there move into where we could be um, and how we might get there. So earlier, Kat, you touched on the I Well, the kind of current context of COVID—that's almost really been a living example of networks in action. Um, most obviously, the very fact that COVID spread so quickly around the world is a is a highlights the fact that we are such a connected world now. Yeah, and and again, um, kind of closer to home in our country and even locally, I've seen the the reality of for example really fragile supply chains that because of over-reliance on you know a particular whether it's shop or um, import structure whatever it might be you know there were shortages in food Um, and same with ppe equipment Um, fragile um, supply chains that haven't got that inbuilt resilience something i've seen locally that has worked really well is what I've been seeing increasingly is a, a local supply network rather than a kind of fragile supply chain. So there's lots of local farmers, suppliers, food producers, and others who are creating locally um, and selling locally to all kinds of different places, who then in turn pass on to various other buyers and consumers and so on. And it's just really got me thinking about you know, in the same way that nature creates resilience through diversity, um, Mm. how could we bring in better resilience into our supply chains? I touched on earlier the fact that I've definitely seen increased community resilience in some ways because of COVID. I've also seen, and this is not just because of COVID, I, I, I feel certainly a kind of, for some people, just increasing isolation and disconnection and increasing division in the world, whether that's through you know, the media and rhetoric we hear and the, the narrative that is just the norm now, we, even with distant, far off presidents in certain countries and the the, the division being created, or whether that's just hyper-locally, um, people that don't have a safety net and actually COVID's just pushed them over the edge. And I deal, I've dealt with a number of residents who who are just Really struggling this morning. I had a phone call with a gentleman who, you know, his own words were, I just feel really disconnected, I feel really isolated. So, recognizing that there's pockets of wonderful connection and community and and great networks in some places, actually, not everybody's feeling them. If we're to move forward, we've got to bring everyone with us, it's got to be a collective journey. And it just got really, it really got me thinking about that.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting actually because often, you know, when we We're purposely not talking about networking Mm. uh, on this podcast that may be something for later, but, yeah, often when I hear that word, I I feel like it's about using people (laughs) for one's own advancement, and normally that's financial or in terms of position, and, yeah, it's interesting to think of it more from a relationship perspective and bringing in people that perhaps don't, in the short term, directly lead to one's advancement or things like that, but actually – by bringing people on it is going to have a much better effect on society.
0: Yeah, which then reminds me, sorry, I'm getting a bit quite tastic here, but um, <laughs> there's a quote from, I was reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the, his, when he was in Birmingham jail. Um, and he says, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly um and as you speak and as I think about the guy I was on the phone to this morning that quote came to mind you know it's it yeah we can use networks for our own gain and there is a there is a way that you can do that well there's nothing wrong with that per se but it's we're kind of going a bit deeper here aren't we we're looking at um yeah networks not just that kind of sometimes quite a hollow gesture of networking. Looking ahead about, you know, what is possible through
1: networks, through connections. You know, there's a question for me about breadth versus depth as well, you've alluded to. But also, you know, what can good networks enable? So whether that's improved well-being. you know, the example you gave earlier of that gentleman, better sharing of information. You know, there's there's a lot that can be brought in here, through enhanced networks. And it, it's, yeah. it's funny, I, we were thinking about the nature perspective clearly, because that's you know, what we're interested in in this podcast. And when I thought about networks and nature, the first thing that popped into my head were lungs. And another disclaimer, you know, I had a, a kind of pretty serious lung collapse in 2013. And so I've given lungs quite a bit of thought over the years the biology and the mechanics, and then perhaps the more psychological aspects, you know, linked to them mm-hmm. be that grief, be that inability to express oneself, things like that, mm-hmm. um, which have a more Eastern philosophy flavor to it. But yeah, where, where, where my brain went was thinking about networks, was thinking about alveoli, um, which are the tiny air sacs in our lungs that take up the oxygen that we breathe in and keep us going just reading the number here, there are 480 million alveoli located at the end of the bronchial tubes. And when we breathe in, they expand to take in the oxygen. And when we breathe out, they shrink to expel the carbon dioxide. What's fascinating for me is actually the huge surface area that these structures that kind of keep us breathing, both when we're at rest and when we're exercising, Um, cover and it's more than a hundred square meters, which is just phenomenal, really. And there's something for me about how can we use that analogy of the alveoli helping us take in the oxygen, so taking in what we need to to literally to breathe, to live, to function well. And how can we use that analogy to, you know, as we look to expel or decrease or remove things that aren't serving us as a society or as individuals it felt something that feels
0: important about that yeah I like that the kind of collective in-breath and the collective outbreath. Mm. what are we choosing to take in and and it makes me think of the word inspiration which I think literally means mm. in inhalation you know inspiring yeah. breathing in um, how can we I guess one of the things we'd love to do with this podcast um, is like we say, inform as well as inspire. And often that's just shining a light on great examples out there. But how can that inspiring, that inspiration literally be a kind of in-breath and a fresh way of thinking? Mm. Um, And with that, how do we choose what we leave behind, what we exhale? So I really like that analogy. When I think about what what's possible um from my point of view i guess i'd see as as you've mentioned before that the individual and the collective level there so as individuals i would love everybody to feel um deeply in relationship whether it's with you know one person going back to the idea of depth versus breadth you know having a deep good relationship with one or two people um or, you know, many more people, of course, but I would love everybody to feel deeply in relationship and, and able to connect and find ways to connect and pay attention um, and use that practically if it's, you know, jobs they're looking for or simply because actually you want to build a stronger community where you are, whatever it might be. I would really love us if we are all deeply living in good relationship with good connections. For me, that means we are all being who we are. We're using the strengths we have. Um and I think if we are all doing that well, we, we really harness the power of what our globalised, networked world can be and what it can do. So from there, I'm going to jump straight into, we're going to sort of go through a few examples of um, places we see this stuff at work that might help certainly us, but perhaps some of you think about how do we get to that place of being individually and well connected um, and, and in good relationship, but also collectively Mm -hmm. Um, part of a good network and a good good ecosystem of humanity Um, and what immediately comes to mind for me and I think it's something I've touched on before is how I've used the idea of forest networks in an organization I've helped to develop um, which is the charity Aruka Network that's A-R-U-K-A-H and we are um, a network of people around the world in different countries who are all in one way or another working on community health and well-being in the places that we live I'll kind of sum up the journey that I went on in thinking about this and just offer a few uh, learning points for me on that journey I was always a little bit kind of skeptical about the idea of just develop, developing a network because I've heard lots of kind of well the idea that is it a network or is it a not work you know <laughs> it it can be something kind of stagnant and static and when it's you know just a chance to go to conferences and that's it you know that wasn't what I was interested in building I was interested in building a dynamic community of people that are giving and receiving sharing their own strengths um, and us all using that to to create health well-being happiness where we are and I listened to a talk um, a while back by an ecologist called Suzanne Simard, um, and she spent years studying forests and how they how they live, how they exist, how they thrive. And what she's discovered is that um, a forest is not just a collection of individuals, but through primarily through underground fungal networks, they are communities of beings. They are trees, even of different species that are able to connect and as she says, talk to each other. And it really got me thinking, you know, if nature does this networking thing well in a way that makes a whole community thrive, maybe there are some lessons there as we try and build an organisation that also helps our community to thrive. Um, And I'll just draw, I'm not going to go into all the kind of science behind that, but we will, I'll post some links in the show notes um, if you want to read more and watch Suzanne's talk, um, her TED talk. But a few things that have been important for me, firstly, it's that model has really shown me how crucial connections are to well-being. Um, so when connections are strong, the network's strong, and that's something we've touched on already. I see that when connections break down, the kind of nourishment that, that flow between those connections can also cease to flow. Um, so in a tree um, society, this nourishment is kind of bacteria and nutrients and Carbon and elements and, and things that all of the trees need to survive is also warning signals about predators and many other things. Um, for a human network, that nourishment that flows between well through connections can be encouragement, information, influence, resources, wisdom, love, even. Um, so it's really for me reinforced the idea that a healthy network is a series of healthy connections. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, The forest um, idea has shown me that a healthy network doesn't necessarily, well, doesn't rely on hierarchy, but rather on kind of reciprocity and mutual respect. So within the forest, there are what's known as, what are kind of affectionately known as mother trees. So these are kind of wise, older trees who have seen a lot and know a lot, and they pass on nutrients and learning and direct the flow of them. But other than that, there isn't much hierarchy for the sake of hierarchy, which my experience in human systems and organizations and networks, there often is a lot of hierarchy and structure. And obviously some of that's necessary, but it got me thinking, you know, what might that Mother tree be in a human um, organization, a human network. So perhaps that's a mentor or a facilitator, someone with a particular skill or wisdom that they can use to help nourish those around them um, and share learning and experience and kind of direct the flow of um, nutrients and wisdom around that human network. Um, So it got me thinking about leadership and so on. And that's a topic we'll explore in a future episode. And finally, the other thing that's really shown me is the importance of complexity and adaptability in building resilience and sustainability. So within a forest ecosystem, there are different species. They are interwoven, they're interconnected via food chains and symbiotic relationships um, and so on. And as I was thinking about human networks, in this case, our organization, um, it really made me think about... Wouldn't it be wonderful if each part could really rely on another part? So this could be, for example, um, community members learning from other community members who might have different strengths and skills, but who nonetheless, by sharing them, we can be more than the sum of our parts. We can be in symbiotic relationship with others who are not like us and both gain deeply Um, and create something bigger than we would have done on our own. For me, that also means identity and uniqueness being seen as a strength, um, rather than a, a cause for division and misunderstanding. It also really underlines the importance of integrity and being ourselves so that the whole ecosystem benefits. So I mean, I could go on and on, I could do a whole episode on this probably. But I think for me, the take home has been, you know, when we think about whether it's running an organization, whether it's, you know something bigger than that i forests are a really good place to start you know in terms of what we prioritize resource wise leadership um how we make really good use of diversity not just as a token um diversity tick box but genuine how are we benefiting from real difference here Um, which again goes back to the importance of relationship and cultivating relationships so we can really understand those differences. I hope that just gives it a flavour of what's been in my mind when I think of what good networks can be. Mm. It's fascinating watching that talk, uh, the TED
1: talk you mentioned. And yeah, it's something that I didn't, I knew about the tree side of things, but I didn't know much about the fungi Mm -hmm. kind of part to it. And uh, I tripped across a documentary called Fantastic Fungi Mm-hmm. Um, which talks about this, the kind of interconnected systems that they, they kind of create that not only help trees to communicate, but can cure cancer, boost the immune systems of bees. Um, it's amazing what healing can be done through these networks, through the fungi, through the trees. And it, it makes me think actually of coral reefs mm-hmm. in a similar a similar vein, um, I guess, yeah, almost like um, underwater rainforests themselves. Yeah, so coral reefs date back 400 million years. And with every, you know, temperature change that the Earth's gone through, they have managed to adapt. That quickening of temperature rising is actually causing alarm amongst scientists in terms of coral reefs at the moment. And I guess it might be helpful to spend a few minutes here just thinking about what coral reefs do and then looking at some of the, the damage that's been done to them and some ways that are being explored to help them recover. But, yeah, kind of how this relates to our own human networks. And I guess one of the reasons that, yeah they've come to mind is, I mean, they literally look like networks, don't they? And so instantly that kind of makes me think of them. But also that idea of symbiosis that you mentioned um, just now. Um, so the idea of the, the algae that live inside Um, coral reefs giving them that vibrant colour because actually corals are naturally translucent and it also makes me think of the fish um, species that um, are able to help and live through them so I've got a quote here um, of 4,000 fish species and some 25% of marine life depend on coral reefs at some point in their existence and that fish keep the algae that grow on corals in check, allowing corals to breathe and access sunlight. So there's a real sense of, um, yeah, interconnectedness. Um, a few more quotes, and then just thinking about where they get harmed. So an estimated 500 million people and their livelihoods from the fishing stocks and tourism opportunities that Reef provides. And they buffer shorelines for the effects of hurricanes as well. And apparently, we're even offering hope for new drugs to treat cancer and other diseases. So incredibly important. And yet, particularly in the last four years, have been really under threat. Weather patterns caused warmer waters in the Pacific Ocean. And it's particularly warm then anyway. And it killed off a third of the corals on the Great Barrier Reef. Mm. Um, And since then, roughly half the corals on Australia's um, reef, Great Barrier Reef, have died in subsequent bleaching events. And by bleaching, what I mean is when corals um, are under stress from hot temperatures or from pollution, they end that symbiotic relationship with the algae, um, typically expelling them and turning white. There's something here for me that, that feels, I don't know, linked to what can happen in this world. You know, we can, we can actually create wonderful networks. And yet, due to external pressures, politics, economics, financial pressures, environmental pressures, you know, we can expel people from the networks. Um, networks can collapse. Mm. And, yeah, it's interesting, kind of, there are, there are some uh, scientists who are trying to help to protect Coral reefs either through kind of creating almost like national parks for them. Others who are growing corals on underwater plastic lattices. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's one group of scientists in Florida doing this, and they've grown or regrown over seventy thousand corals from five different species on damaged reefs. Mm. So it's quite interesting thinking what can we do to help build up networks that have flailed. And with this example, there's climate change behind all of this, actually, that really needs to be addressed um, if corals are to survive and thrive.
0: So far in this, we have been talking about human networks. This is being paralleled in the non-human natural world too. And mm. just given an example of that, you know, this is how things could go. Um, and it reminds me actually of your quote about the the butterfly's wings mm-hmm. um and things we're doing here are having this impact halfway around the world in cor- coral coral reefs you know how much more might might they be having an impact on relationships and and so on closer to home also um so as not to get too serious when you were giving your facts about cor- coral reefs i was holding out for a quote from finding nemo um <laughs> i didn't hear one so i'm going to offer one instead and it's silly but actually maybe there's a deeper point to it yeah so bruce the great white shark which of course is a great name for a great white shark bruce Mm -hmm. um says i'm a nice shark not a mindless eating machine if i am to change this image i must first change myself fish Mm -hmm. are friends not food (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and that's kind of silly but also I quite like what you're saying um you know it's mm. how what does this mean for ourselves Cor- coral reefs halfway around the world or even forests for some of us can feel really distant mm. um but what can we do to cultivate relationship and connection and so then see that kind of ripple effect that domino effect mm. um there was a quote I think I mentioned before or an idea certainly that rather than being famous for 15 minutes if we aimed instead to be famous for 15 miles mm. um, and for me again it's you know you do that conversation by conversation and by paying attention and being present so yeah I think Bruce the grey white shark has some good wisdom there
1: <laughs> yeah and I guess it makes me think you know thinking about Bruce
0: <laughs>
1: and Nemo um, that I think my mum wanted to call my brother Bruce, um, Ah. but it didn't go with Matthews, which was my maiden name. So uh, sorry, that made me go slightly sidetracked. We haven't really spoken about individual species and how they um, may kind of organise themselves in terms of um, their connections and networks. And I I think, yeah, it's clear there are many different ways to do this. And I think as we think about humans, there are obviously different ways to do this too. Mm. Um, One example I think that a lot of us would would think of when we think about um, animals with close bonds um, would be elephants and uh, they are uh, you know known for their intelligence um, their close family ties and also their social complexity and yeah just there are certain kind of uh, patterns that emerge within elephant communities you know having the leadership being the matriarch Um, and then they organize themselves first of all into families um so an elephant family is usually um, one or more usually related adult females and their immature offspring who feed rest move and interact in a coordinated manner and have close and friendly ties Mm. um and within that there's extraordinary teamwork and they're very cooperative um helping each other with offspring decision making getting resources and defense Beyond that, there's a bond group level. It's kind of almost like a second tier of relationship where a bond group is usually determined by genetics with as many as five or more families. Now, their bonds are weaker than those within a family. And nonetheless, they do form alliances against aggressors and help each other with one another's offspring. And so moving a tier above that, there's the clans, which are families who share the same dry season, home range, Um, and normally whilst they won't hang out, where there are times of plenty, they will gather together in large social groups, moving wherever there's good food and and a good social life. Um, And they can intermingle with each other, these different clans. And then moving through to populations, to large social networks. And something I found fascinating was the idea that because elephants live so long, that they can accumulate social and ecological knowledge over decades. In Amboseli, a female elephant may physically encounter hundreds of other individuals in the course of her daily range. And it will be related to her by different degrees in, in terms of how often she's met them before, the qualities of the previous meetings. And these factors will shape the nature and define the form of their relationship. And I just feel that there's, there's quite a lot of similarities between how we work as networks as humans, you know, it's how often do
0: we come across people? How you know deep do we go with our relationships? When I when hear I, you talk about their social structure, I also think of um, termites and they have a social structure with the king and queen at the top and then various kind of workers and, and others. And some of them some of the I think worker termites are blind and they communicate using vibrations and chemical signals but anyway they they use that social structure to create incredibly complex structures and termite mounds and these mm-hmm. could be huge I've seen them um, across sub-saharan Africa and they're just you know they're they're, they're huge of them they're big as a house we've touched on that that phrase social network when it comes to animals um and that's a sort of physical organized thing that they use to um to to live and to thrive ideally when I think of social networks with humans I what actually comes to mind is social media um Mm -hmm. whether for good or for bad but I think increasingly um papers are coming out showing some of the harmful impact, actually of Of social media of course there are many good things too I've seen communities organizing during COVID and so on using social media for me actually it brings up the question of imagination you know Mm -hmm. animals and animal behavior and animal social structures are really varied you know one size doesn't fit all Um, they create a structure that works for them so that they can reproduce and um, you know be safe and find food and all these other things and it makes me think how do we yeah look to the animal kingdom so that we can get imaginative and creative as to what social network means for us. It can't just mean being online you know um clicking likes on on facebook it can't just mean that and I think there's something that going back to that theme of joy and wonder in our first episode how do we um how can we be inspired by the natural world? how do we look at the wonder of a termite colony and and use that to think creatively about what good social networks could look like for for humans beyond the rigid structures that we might have come to think of that whether that's you know online social platforms or something else so I'd love to see I guess sort of experimentation how do we how do we perhaps try new things and and see what works out in the in the natural world
1: yeah almost kind of I guess as we're coming near the end it makes me think Who's around us individually?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: who's who's in our in our world? You know, some may be strong links, others less strong. You know, as we talked about with the idea of the elephants,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's almost like what, what do each of us want to create as a network. You know, what feels important for our own well-being, for well-being of other people, for our own advancement. You know, as well and development, but it's kind of thinking about yeah, like what's a system that's going to be realistic something that you can actually take a step forward with immediately so what's one connection that you can make a new connection what's one connection that you can deepen and I I think what you were saying earlier about listening and presence you know it's not necessarily having to tell people or talk at people it's really and I think that's how I've navigated my career is I in America. It's very um, normal to do what are called informational interviews, which is where you find out about what people do in their work. And um, through that, often people will recommend you to someone else. And there's something about kind of what can we learn from one another as we deepen our relationships and connections. That might be one takeaway.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm a big fan of just listening more, seeing what comes up. And in fact, maybe we could do a whole episode on listening because I think mm. there is there are ways of thinking about it that can be kind of disarmingly simple but actually really powerful mm, in terms of what that. comes up but it also makes me wonder about just spending some time reflecting like what 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 kind of ecosystem would i like to see around me how can i bring more of myself so that i thrive in such a way that also encourages others to bring more of themselves it reminds me of um there is a quote from Steve Jobs the guy behind Apple who says You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have Mm. to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. Maybe it's not directly relevant, but that idea of maybe spend some time looking backwards. Where have you come from? Where are you now? And what dots can you join? What what connections and relationships have made you feel well, have made you thrive, have made you take a step forward in your career or your social life or whatever it is that you're Mm. working on? And then as you turn and look ahead, how can you carry some of that forward?
1: And what you've said just uh, you know, takes me back to what we talked about quite early on, that idea of the lungs. So what do we want to breathe in? What do we want to bring into our our lives? And what do we want to to let go of through the exhale as well? And it makes me think, actually, that, that breathing makes me think of walking as well. Because I love when I'm outside, it's just breathing in different kind of air at the moment be very hot humid air <laughs> yeah. um, and perhaps it is an invitation to you as the listeners to, to step outside wherever you are or maybe you are already outside um, whether you have access to forests whether you have access to a local park or the sea somewhere in between and just notice what networks what connections you're noticing there you know whether it be plants trees birds And I guess, yeah, what thoughts are being prompted by being in this environment about your own networks and connections and what you might like to do and how you might like to be with them?
0: Yeah, and you might be noticing also animal connections, as you say, birds, um, but also symbiotic relationships. It could be animals of different species that you notice um, working together. Perhaps you're on your allotment, actually, and you use symbiotic companion planting. Um, I know on our allotment, there are certain plants which if you plant them near other plants it you know wards off pests and things so yeah just an invitation to be creative and and think about connections relationships symbiosis and networks and ecosystems in your life also in your organization if you are part of an organization are there kind of creative things that stepping out into nature prompts for you um, that you could experiment with, um, and that's something I also that I think is clear in nature is that kind of spirit of trial and error and mm. and, and trying things out and seeing what works. So yeah, the, we'll put a few extra book, book references in the show notes. There's one or two that have come to mind actually throughout this, um, including a really good one on uh, fungal networks. It sounds really nerdy, but it's really interesting. <laughs> so we'll put those in the notes. And we may well visit this topic again, because actually, it feels really timely. And um, it's certainly one that we're both really interested in. Um, So if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, we really invite them. We have a, speaking of social media networks, we have a Facebook Mm. um, group called Unfurling Podcast, which you can search for. And that is, you know, we're building up to be a kind of safe space for people to connect with, share ideas, resources, ask questions, get support in thinking about some of the stuff in their own lives. So you're very welcome there. So I think with that, we draw it to
1: a close. Hmm. I'm grateful for our connection, Elizabeth. Yeah, me too. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we're grateful for those of you who are, you know, listening and have made it through episodes one and two. And we hope um you'll take some value from this and we look forward to hearing your thoughts and ideas and indeed we've had some suggestions from listeners about other topics so you know if there are other things you're curious to hear about um we may know about it we might may not but we can do some research as well yeah. so yeah, as we explore the power of nature to inform and inspire see you next time see you next time